Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I'm so honored that you're joining us today, either on KLTT or on podcast. We have had so many families apply. Honestly, it's hard to keep up with all of it. And I could never have imagined that we would have grown this fast and had so many people interested in telling their adoption story. And I just think that it's very brave. So keep those applications coming. We are very excited. And if you're listening and you don't have an adoption story, we still love you. We think that you're absolutely amazing for tuning in and learning more about adoption. So today we have Carrie O'Toole here. And those of you who listen to the podcast, you know exactly who she is. She is a life coach. She has her master's degree in counseling, and she works with struggling adoptive families. And the thing I love about Carrie is that she's very open and honest about her story. You can hear her story on podcast. First of all, Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks, April. Thanks for having me back. Can you tell your story shortly in a nutshell? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we talked about this a little bit before off air, and it's just, it's a hard story to tell in a short period of time, because if I tell it in a quick amount of time, it sounds very trivial and it was not trivial at all. So just know that you're getting a very abbreviated version here. But basically, my husband and I adopted our oldest son at birth and then had a biological daughter. And then a few years later, we adopted again from Vietnam. And this time, we adopted a three-and-a-half-year-old little boy, so he was a little bit older. And it just, oh, we tried and tried and heartache and therapy and everything you can imagine any adoptive family would do. And this little guy just suffered from severe trauma, really, from his upbringing, his early years, and never could attach. And so after a period of time, my mental health was failing. Um, our whole family was just really falling apart. And we ended up placing him with another family from our church. And so he was adopted again into another family after eight years in our family. And it's now been eight and a half years since then. So that's kind of my story. But, but what I do now is after all of that, the trauma that I had suffered, my marriage falling apart, all of that, after all of the recovery and healing from all of that, I went back to grad school and got my degree so that I could help other families. And so most of my clientele now are families who are really, really struggling. It's not just, you know, what do you do about this? little issue. It's like, I am falling apart. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. There's no resources. There's no help. And we're dying. So help. That's my clientele. Right. You know, when I first heard your story, I was so connected to it because of what we had been through. But if I had not been through our experience and I heard your story, I would be asking you, how could you do that? Right. Is that what you get a lot? Well, not anymore, but it happened a lot at the beginning. And I wrote a book, and when that came out, that was my, I mean, I just, <laughs> I prayed about that for the longest time. The book sat in my computer for three years before I ever could finish it, because I just knew once I share this story, and that becomes my story, and it's public, you know, the shame, the judgment, the condemnation, I just knew. I have to say, though, I just feel like God has protected me from a lot of it. And I get now, I would have been the same way. 
Mm-hmm. I would have judged people. I would have said, how could you? And really what we talk about with all my clients and the group that I you know, have formed with all of this is nobody can understand this until you have lived it. Mm-hmm. Until you've been faced with that, you would never come up with that. I mean, nobody goes into adoption thinking, well, I'll give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, you know, that's not what we go into this with. Right. But sometimes the trauma level is so high. I mean, people are really being damaged living in the home and the choices are you know what do you do when either other children in the home are being damaged or when your mental health is such that you cannot continue or the child is really not thriving at all because they're just surviving everybody's in survival mode and everybody's trauma is hitting everybody else what do you do When you literally are at a place where you are saying, I cannot do this one more day. I don't know what to do. I'm going to die. Right. (laughs) And that's where I got. When we aired your show, I thought that people would respond and say, how could somebody do that? Or I listened to the show and I just can't even imagine. And that was not the response at all. People responded and said, I listened to her story and cried the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it helped me in my life. And what I'm struggling with, with my children. And I just was amazed because your story is really, it's really painful and it's filled with a lot of grace, but it's also filled with a lot of provision. And I think that when you say that you relinquished rights, it's not like you dropped them off at like an orphanage or on the side of the road. I mean, there was a woman who came to you and said, I think I'm supposed to adopt your son. Mm -hmm. And God seemed to be weaving that story together. And actually he did much better for a time with this other family. And he was able to heal in ways that you could not have provided. Mm -hmm. And that is what I think the adoption journey is all about is just going on the journey and saying, I'm willing to do what God is asking me to do. And it might not make sense to anyone else. And it could be messy and it may not look like messy. Many of my clients struggle with the faith piece Mm -hmm. when they're on this side of the adoption triangle because they feel like they were called into adopting in the first place. So how could they now be placed in this position where they're looking at placing the child elsewhere? What does that mean about God? I mean, did he really call me? Am I now disobedient? Is he just like a sadist? If he knew this was going to happen, why did he put us in this situation? It's, it's really complex. And what I'm finding is, you know, recognizing that God called us to take that step. Mm-hmm. He didn't ever tell us how it was going to turn out. Mm-hmm. When we brought our little boy home for that short period of time and we were in that same position and things were upside down, I could not have put that into words for anyone else if they had not gone through it because to everyone else, I should have been able to connect with him. I should have been able to yes. heal his heart because mm-hmm. you're only really focused on the heart. Mm -hmm. Right. He's broken. He's sad. And so we are going to come in and heal his heart. And that's what God wants us to do. And when he adopts us into his family, he never throws us away, you know, and that's what it feels like you're doing. And then the same that you just said is I really struggled with when he got placed with another family. How could I be the one called to go and get him in another state, go through everything we did, bring him home and place him with somebody else? That is not fair. Mm -hmm. And then you said it best on the show. You said, well, life isn't fair. (laughs) And that's true. And when I really, (laughs) when I really embraced that life isn't fair, 
And God asked me to do something really hard to get that little boy where he needed to be. Mm -hmm. Then I had peace and I said, you know what? This is about children and not about me, nor my parenting skills or lack of parenting skills. But also I learned it's much more than the heart. There's something going on in their minds and in their brains. Something is not right chemically. Yeah. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Well, if you think about what any child has to go through to be placed in a position where they are needing to be adopted, even if it's a brand new baby that's just been born, which was the case in one of ours and also with yours, Mm -hmm. that child has already been nurtured for nine months in someone else's womb. Potentially, there could have been substances used. Their mental health state has been felt and absorbed by that baby. The baby knows that mama's smell, walk, sound, feel, the way she moves, all of that. Then they're born and they're handed off to somebody else. Now, that's in the most pristine situation of adoption. Mm -hmm. Ours came out of an orphanage. And these nuns bless them, they were doing the absolute best that they could, but 40 kids in one room is not an ideal situation. Mm -hmm. These kids are being neglected. They're being deprived. Many are being abused. There's stuff going on that they don't know about because there's just not enough eyes. So we've got addictive substances, sometimes fetal alcohol kind of issues. We've got abuse or neglect going on. And All of those things are traumatic to little babies who are born into this world needing only to have their parents love and feed them and care for them in a very pure sense. Mm -hmm. And when that gets messed up, it rewires their brain. It's what we would call developmental trauma. So based on how old the child was and what their developmental level was, if trauma happens at a certain point their brains actually don't develop the way that they were supposed to. So they move into, sometimes we call it fight or flight, PTSD kind of reactions. PTSD sometimes fits with what's going on. That that might fit as a diagnosis for some of these kids, but really the the official diagnosis for PTSD doesn't really work that well. Mainly when we think of PTSD, you think about a war veteran coming home and you know, it's the 4th of July and the fireworks are going off and they're having these trigger moments that really scare them to death. And we think about PTSD sometimes when you might think about somebody who's been in a horrible traumatic event, like a car accident, a fire, a rape, something like that, that their physical life is being threatened and they literally have reason to fear that they might die. That's typically what causes PTSD. But What we're discovering is that your psychological health or your emotional health can be just as threatened. And so these babies and these little children who have been in foster care or have been in really difficult early life situations, their brains develop differently and they are in fight or flight quite a bit of the time. So they develop these strategies to survive And there are things like chronic lying, manipulating, triangulating, you know, not telling the truth. A lot of times there can be violent rages because they just, they don't know how to regulate their emotions. That piece kind of didn't get developed and they're terrified all the time. 
And it's something where you can't really talk them out of it. You can't say, well, sweetie, I know that you didn't have food early on, but mommy's making dinner. Do you see that dinner's coming? (laughs) That doesn't matter Mm -hmm. unless they feel it. We call that felt safety, where they have to feel that they're safe. You can't convince them by your words. Right. Let me tell you some examples of what people say to me, and then you can tell me if this would maybe be under that spectrum. And I just want to clarify. So we talk a lot about trauma brain or developmental trauma, and that kind of encompasses post-traumatic stress disorder or RAD attachment disorder, which everybody cringes at that. No one wants their kid to have reactive attachment disorder. But the truth is, is that there's probably some issues with attachment that you need to work through. There's a spectrum, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But some things that people say to me are, Hoarding food Mm -hmm. or hiding food. They'll find food under their beds. Like you said, lying, peeing on you, Mm -hmm. possibly pooping on you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Smearing. We we had a therapist say, if they're really little, they're using weapons. Those are the only weapons they have. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to use them. And they are abusive to other children. If they feel that one child is connected, they will then lash out at that child. They mommy shop. Mm-hmm. where you're in a restaurant and they're looking for other parents. And they'd go home with anybody who would take them. Right. And they act abused, mm-hmm. even though at home they're not acting that way anymore because well, they've been not, with you for a while. It's but, not all of these put together right. always. It, right. it could be different combinations of these things. You know, sometimes people will listen to a checklist and they'll go, oh, phew, I right. don't have all of them. Right. It's like, Well, you don't have to have all of them. Right. Because one of the things, too, is with reactive attachment disorder, they say the child will either react to affection or not react to affection. So, I mean, it could be either or, well, I've but had it's parents unhealthy. Say, yeah, I've had parents say to me, oh, my child is like super attached. And it's like they, they are so clingy, they can't ever let mom go. And I'm like, that is not attached. That is totally insecure. Mm-hmm. If you look at that, that's not a secure attachment. Oh, my child is so attached. They couldn't have an attachment disorder. That is not a healthy attachment. A healthy attachment, if you look at it developmentally, you know, by about age two, that's when a child would start wanting to get down from mom once in a while, toddle away just a few feet, and then always has to come back to mom. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a normal healthy attachment. If a child is clinging on you at still at age five, you know, that's not a healthy attachment. That's not like, oh, they're just so attached. Right. And if a child is not cuddling with you, it doesn't mean they're not attached. Do you know what I mean? You just have to know something's not right. Right. And I can see it in my kids in different times of life when they feel insecure. And I think we need to do a little bit of attachment. Right. And, and it can flare up at different times. A lot of times around anniversaries, around birthdays, around adoption, anniversary, Christmas, holidays, things like that. Mother's Day, if you can imagine, that could be pretty triggering. And a lot of these children, they don't even know it's happening. You know, have, if you've ever had somebody significant in your life die and then the anniversary for that, maybe even a few years down the line, comes up. And maybe you don't even know, why am I feeling so down this week? What is going on with me? It's like your body remembers it, even if it's not marked on the calendar and you weren't aware of it. So their bodies know. There's a book out called The Body Keeps the Score, and it's yes. all on stress or post-trauma. And it's an amazing, amazing book. But that's the whole point. Your body remembers, even if it's not a conscious So these children are carrying that trauma in their bodies and it's coming out 
in different ways. And so that's what we would call developmental trauma. What are some symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder? We got that question. In well, children. In children. It's, <laughs> it's really hard in children. Let, let's talk about adults just for a minute, okay? Uh -huh. So let's say that you had a one-incident traumatic episode. Like we said before, a fire, you witnessed a shooting, something traumatic that really was just terrifying. A lot of times what happens is, let's say that you had just eaten a full meal right before this traumatic event happened. Your body would have been just starting the digestion process, and the minute the trauma happens, that all shuts down. Your digestion just stops. All of the blood goes racing to your limbs, your extremities, so that you can run or you can hide or you can fight. And when that happens, the cognitive part of your brain kind of shuts off. You don't think very clearly. So I have PTSD. And when it happens, sometimes I can't even speak. It's like I feel like a bumbling idiot. I know I can train people on this, but when it happens to me, it's like, uh, uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know what to say. You could ask me a question, and it's like the thinking part of my brain goes offline for a minute. So until that part comes back on, don't even ask me a question. My memory's shot. I can't think. So that's what happens to adults. That's why many people, after they witness something or they experience something traumatic, they may have digestive issues, you may have diarrhea, you may be constipated. That's because your digestion just shut down. You may not be able to sleep for a while. You may be really scared and jumpy for a while. So I'm trained as a crisis responder, and these are the questions that we ask somebody a few weeks out. You know, how are you doing? How's this going? Tell me what's going on with you. And if it's still going on after about three weeks, that's when you want to have them go see somebody regarding PTSD because it really should be coming back down by that time. Now, what we're talking about with adults living with traumatized children is we don't ever have the chance for our brains to come back down because these situations are going on every day in our home. So, that's when PTSD can happen because your, your brain doesn't have a chance to shut those hormones back off. Every time you want to calm down and come down from it, some other traumatic event happens. So it keeps that lever flipped open and your adrenaline and cortisol are flooding through your body all the time. You can't come down from it. That's PTSD. Once you're in it, it seems like it would be so hard to get out of it because you're speaking... As the adult. So yes. as the adoptive parent, you're being traumatized and you don't yes. realize what's going on, but the child is triggering. And if you're not aware that your child could have triggers and probably does and what those triggers are, then the child is, like you said, going through trauma continually. Yes. And if they're blanking out while you're telling them, please put on your shoes, you're like, put on your shoe. Their brain but has shut off. In a different land. They're in fight or flight. They feel scared. Mm -hmm. And now you as a parent are trying to approach them as just normal parenting, mm -hmm. right? You get frustrated. Put on your shoes. What's going on? Or whatever it is you're trying to get them to do. Don't hoard food. You have enough. But they are trying to survive. Mm -hmm. How do you get out of that, Carrie? <laughs> well, I would be a millionaire if I had the answer. But, I mean, one thing that I found is so difficult is when the parents are traumatized and the child is still in that PTSD kind of developmental trauma, hyper alertness, hyper awareness, protectiveness all the time when they're in survival mode 24 seven. 
and the parents are traumatized, that's a really, really tough situation because what we would tell a traumatized client who came to us and, you know, it's like, well, my trauma is due to a gunshot or something, you know, witnessing something like that. Well, you want to kind of keep them away from that for a bit so their body can calm down. But when you live with it and it becomes chronic and that's what normal is now, you know, home is supposed to be a safe, secure place where you can recover And when you don't have that, that's when it gets really, really, really tough. So we want to try and catch these parents before they develop Mm -hmm. PTSD because it's much easier to prevent it by doing respite, by doing training, by providing external help than it is to recover from it and continue to parent. We have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about trauma. And also there is hope out there. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670kltt.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Are you enjoying the program today, but wonder how you can hear more stories about the joys and challenges of adoption? Good news. Adoption Now is available on podcasts through iTunes and Google Play. Just search Adoption Now and subscribe. We download a new show weekly, allowing you access to every story we've shared. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's story as we get back to the host of the show, April Fallon. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We want to hear your story. Do you have an adoption story? Please email me at april at adoption-now.com. This show is dedicated to giving adoption a voice. Don't be afraid to speak out. Together, we can inspire others. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Carrie O'Toole. She has a master's degree in counseling and she works with struggling adoptive families as a life coach. And today we're just talking about post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, it used to be unheard of. Only people who were coming back from the military were diagnosed with it. And now it's very common in adoption. Carrie, we've talked a lot about children who have it, children who come into the home and then give post-traumatic stress disorder to everyone. It's the a other gift children, that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> the other children are triggered. I mean, it can be complete chaos in your home. And all of a sudden as a parent, you went into it like, everything's going to be great. God brought me here. He's bringing us through. And now all of a sudden you're breaking down as a person. This changes brain chemistry. Let's talk about that just for a second, because it's not something that's just like, oh, I broke my arm. It's going to get better. This is something that actually changes the way you view life. Yes. You view people as untrustworthy, mm-hmm. especially your parents. You know, mom and dad are supposed to be the closest people in your world. But when a child has been traumatized and they're placed in another home, it's very difficult to trust. Why was I not good enough? Why did this all happen? Why didn't you love me? All of that. So there's a sense of worthlessness. There's a sense of shame in these children. And then there's the trauma piece, which is really, really difficult to understand. So it sometimes can change their ability to see right from wrong. It can sometimes change 
the fact that they have trouble with cause and effect thinking. If I do this, then this will happen. So they don't Mm -hmm. learn from their mistakes. They keep doing the same thing over and over again. And it's not effective at all. And yet they keep doing it. It impacts their sense of right and wrong. Their character can be really disrupted by this. And so, you know, what do you do with that when you've got this cute, just adorable little child who comes in and can just wreak havoc in a family. I have, and I'm sure you have heard this, parents who feel so defeated that at this point, they don't even like the child that they have brought into their home. They are struggling to love them, like them, and want to do this. And I so get it. I so get being so brokenhearted, and it's so difficult. But you know what? I've learned through this whole process. Now, when I went into adoption, I was like, I'm getting my babies from the hospital. There's no problems. You know, I was totally unaware. And then we walked into this abusive situation and the child was so traumatized and it changed everything. And I sat down with a counselor and I said, tell me everything. Teach me everything about loss, adoption, trauma, abuse. I need to know everything so I can parent totally different. Everything I believed Got flipped upside down. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to learn. And I think parents that are there Mm -hmm. that are saying, Mm -hmm. okay, stop. We don't know what we're doing and we need help. Right. Number one, help yourself. Because you, it's just like on the airplane, you know, if the oxygen mask comes down, you put it on yourself first. Mm -hmm. You cannot parent a traumatized child who is continuously triggering your own trauma if you don't get help for your own trauma. So that's number one. You want to look up a, you know, trauma specialists in your area. You want to find somebody who does either EMDR. And we were talking about this on the break a little bit. For some people, EMDR may be a little bit too sensitive at the first. You may actually even need to have some other types of therapy to help even get you calmed just a little bit. For me, EMDR worked great. By the way, if you don't know what that is, it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So trauma hits you literally on the right side of your brain. It is a right brain issue. If you think about your right brain, that's the creative side. That's the emotional side. Your left brain is very much the thinking, logical, cognitive side. And trauma is not logical. So it smacks you on the right side of your brain. And that may sound just weird, but when I went in for a certain type of trauma, they did a, a mind map on me. And I was looking at it and I said, what's that big blob right above my right ear? And she said, that's your trauma. Wow. I mean, I started to cry. I said, you can see it like it's real. It's not just literally in my head or figuratively in my head. It's really there. And what EMDR does is it transfers your trauma from the right feeling emotional side of your brain over to the left logical Mm. side of your brain so that the trauma can be part of your life without impacting you to the point, you know, where you're getting triggered and having physical reactions, physiological reactions in your body. So you can talk about it, think about it, process it logically. You can get out. Yes, you can get out. And I just want to say, I, I am living proof that you can get out. I was literally at a place where I thought I was going to die. Physically, I felt my body shutting down. Emotionally, I had mental health issues because of all of this. I was taking 
anti-anxiety, anti-depressant, and sleep meds because I couldn't even sleep anymore. I, I went one time five months without sleeping. I mean, it's just crazy. I was seeing a psychiatrist. It was horrible. And you can come out of it. I just want to give hope because I know when I was in it, I thought I was literally going crazy. I went to my psychiatrist and I said, I'm so scared you're going to tell me I'm crazy. And he showed me his diagnostic pad and he said, that's not even on here. <laughs> crazy is not even on here. I couldn't even if you were. So he's like, there's plenty of other options, but that's not one of them. And I was like, oh, thank you. I'm not crazy. So that's one of the things I help my clients with is you are in a crazy situation, but you are not crazy. Mm, that's good. Any normal, fairly normal, halfway healthy person in this situation would feel the way you are. This is traumatic. So we need to talk about trauma. So EMDR is a great one. Neurofeedback is another option. You want to try and find a therapy that is not just talk-based because talk-based therapy is not going to heal a right side of your brain issue. I also want to emphasize that though your journey took you to relinquish, you are not telling people that's the answer. No. It is your path. And in your path, someone came to you and said, I think this boy needs to be with our family. And you took that next mm -hmm. step. And with us, we had the little boy for a very short amount of time. And the state said, we cannot do this. Your children are too little and being completely damaged. And we can't step in and say that this is right for the kids. Mm -hmm. Can we open this up to another family? And when the family came, it was instant. We knew they were the mm -hmm. parents. It was the weirdest thing. And it broke our hearts, but that mm -hmm. was our journey. So we're not saying the answer is no, you're not going to be able to keep your child. In fact, though. my hope is that in helping these families with their trauma, it may prevent some adoption disillusions or disruptions. But on the other hand, there are families that cannot continue the way that they are. Mm -hmm. They are falling apart. Their other kids are being damaged. Like you said, the child is not thriving in that home. That is what is so important as well, is that we're always talking about how are we doing as parents? And I think that that is so important. But also, if the child is not thriving in your home, maybe the second home is where they need to be or the third home is where they need to be. I know that seems weird. So if you're just listening to this for the first time, you're like, what are they talking about? This is a heavy topic. But I really believe that children will get to the place they need to be in. Mm -hmm. If they have enough people loving them, they will get there and God is going to bring them through. I had a family reach out to me and say, I listened to the stories about relinquishment and we just adopted a little girl from Ethiopia that went to another family and it wasn't working. And so she came to us and our job is, is to let her know you finally got here. We're your parents, but let's love those other people as well. Let's mm -hmm. teach them forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I know it hurts your heart and it didn't work. Well, now she's totally thriving. She had all these brothers and sisters that they had adopted from Ethiopia and it was meant to be, it, it connected. And so I feel like when other people are like, well, it shouldn't be like that or it has to be like this. If you go into adoption thinking it's going to be one way, it needs to be this way. It's going to be a really rough journey for you. Mm -hmm. Well, and the family that ended up adopting our son said they never could have done what we did for the eight years, mm -hmm. but they could take it the next eight years. And they said, this is just going to be a messy story. And a lot of people don't like that because we all want to have the little pretty box with the bow tied on top. And almost every time I tell this story on an interview or 
wherever people always jump to the end and they're like, but it's okay now, right? You're all okay now, right? Mm -hmm. It's like they can't handle the stress or the tension of not knowing or having it not work out perfectly or having it not look the way that they hoped. I've shared this story several times through ministries where I've been the speaker and I can see people almost like their eyes raise and they, their eyes get really big, like, oh no, don't tell me, don't tell me this is going where it's going. And it's like, you know what? Life is hard. And sometimes it doesn't look the way we want it to. And it's not fair. Like we talked about before, it's just, it stinks. And yet I really believe that God is a redemptive God. He is redeeming things And he can take something that looks as if it's been absolutely decimated and he can provide hope. He can provide a future. He can provide a purpose. I mean, I look at what I'm doing right now and I fought this for a long time. I did not want this to be my niche of coaching. And I was working with my own coach at one point and she's like, you really need to own this. I don't want to own this. This is ugly. I don't want to be this lady, you know? But I look at it now and I'm thinking, there's no one else doing this. There's no one else providing this type of hope and help for people who are just so under the water. They're drowning. Their entire families are drowning. I never would have chosen this, I guess I'm saying. But God can redeem things and bring something amazing out of it. This is what I love about you is a lot of times people don't get help because they are afraid that somebody's going to tell them to parent in a way that's not natural to them. And so they are like, I can't reach out to the adoptive community because they'll only suggest these things and these things aren't natural. They're so uncomfortable. So I'm already feeling under the water, like you said. But what I love about you is that you aren't like that. You take every person for who they are and try to help them heal, not saying, hey, you must do it like this. Because as a parent, if you tell me that I can't do what I naturally do, and I'm not saying I'm not open to tweaking things, but I'm just saying that there's something inside of me that called me to this. And so what I bring to the table is important as a mom. And I can't just throw that away. And so if you're just saying I have to carry them all day and they're 11 and that's how we're going to attach, I can't do that. And you've got four children. Right. So we have to be realistic in looking at what really is going on. And I think, you know, I'm involved in many Facebook groups um, for parenting, adoptive parenting, parenting kids with attachment issues, lots of different groups. And so many of them, there are a couple of them, if you don't follow their exact way, you're not allowed to talk about anything else. They're like, oh, we don't believe in that one. Right. Well, many of these parents have tried the one that they're subscribing to and it didn't work. And their child may just have more severe issues Or the parents may be so traumatized at that point, they're not capable of doing that. And we have to look at that realistically. We can't just say, well, you just need to keep trying. You need to keep doing this. If you do it, it will work. Every child can be loved out of this. I'm sorry, but the trauma can be so severe sometimes that we need outside intervention. And we need to be able to look at whatever models are out there, whatever treatment is out there, and not just focus on the one because that's you know, our whole selves are wrapped up in this has to be the way and that's the only way out. We have to look at everybody individually. What if a family said to you right now, will we ever look normal? Will we ever be 
a family and have fun again? Will we ever go out to dinner and it not turn into a disaster? Will my husband and I ever be on the same page again? Will I ever like being a mom again? It totally depends on where they're at. You know, it depends on how, if if their child is able to accept some of the the therapy and is able to attach, it depends on if we can get your trauma calmed down. But we also need to look at what normal is because normal is, you know, that's where we get into the whole fair thing. If you mean, am I ever going to look like a very healthily attached family with no problems who can go out to dinner and have a ball? You know, I don't know, maybe, but you might need to get sitters and you might need to find respite with people who understand this so that the kids don't triangulate against you. And then you come home and you pay for it for three days because you went out to dinner. (laughs) It, It depends, but we have to adjust our expectations of what normal is, you know, Even the families that I work with who end up placing their child in a new home. First thing I tell them is, you know, after I say this, you can ask for your money back because I'm not going to be able to fix your pain. I just can't. If you go this direction where you decide to continue to parent, we're going to need to look at whole new philosophies. You're going to need like intensive help in your home. And this is going to be a long-term haul. Do you have the reserves to do this? If you choose to go through a therapeutic placement where maybe they're in a residential treatment or something like that, it's going to be painful. You are going to suffer. (laughs) It's just going to be hard. And you're going to be needing to work on your own stuff while your child's away so that if there is reunification, we don't blow it all up again the minute they come home. If you decide to place your child, your pain is not over. You are now going to start grieving like you have never grieved in your life. Mm. So whichever direction you go... You need to hunker down and be prepared for some suffering. And I will walk that with you because I've been there and I can hopefully at least give you another step in front of you to take. I can show you where to put your feet. I can show you where the landmines are so that you don't blow yourself up, you know. But you're looking at a long term here that it's going to be hurting. You're going to just suffer and you're going to hurt for a while. So we need to find some respite for you. We need to find some relief here and there. But this is not an easy road. And so if you're looking for normal, you know, we're none of us, we're not normal families. We brought trauma home. And when you bring trauma home, it's going to take a long, long road to get us there. I do believe there's hope for that, depending on where everybody's at. But it may look different than what you thought it was going to look like. Yes, because you said yes to messy. Yeah, You said yes to hard, whether you knew it or not, you did. And so Carrie can help you through that process. Carrie, you did write a book. Talk about your book just for a second and how people can get a hold of you. Sure. My book is called Relinquished When Love Means Letting Go. And you can get it on Amazon or at my website, which is carrieotool.com. We also have a feature length documentary film called Forfeiting Sanity, which shares three families' stories that are very similar to ours. And I do retreats for couples who have been through this process. And you can get a hold of me through my website, which is just carryotool.com. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Thanks so much for having me back. If you would like to hear her whole story, it is on podcasts and iTunes under Adoption Now under Carrie O'Toole. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for joining in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.
Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.